You may have already heard, but I'm going to tell you again because I'm really excited to announce that enrollment is open for the TWE Foundation course. In this course, you'll learn about my foundation behaviors and my core concepts that I teach to every horse in the TWE program and all of my students. This course is unique because it's somewhat self-paced while also having a robust community and personalized coaching. If you're interested in learning more, head to www.thewillingequine.com forward slash foundation. Enrollment closes soon and there's limited availability. But it's okay for certain things to be put on the back burner. If your horse is really just fine with having a dewormer, but it's not done through this start button consent-based process, it's okay for that one thing to sit on the back burner for a little while until you get you know, other things focused on and figured out. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Willing Equine podcast. I'll be recording this episode in my car, so the audio may not be super clear. And sometimes I have my kids with me, so if you hear a little bit from them, I apologize, but hopefully you can still enjoy the podcast. I'd love to hear from you after you listen to the podcast, so feel free to comment on any of my social media platforms or email me or even send me an anchor voice message. So in today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about management versus training and how I choose when to manage a behavior and when I choose to train something different. And um, let me explain a little bit further what I mean by that. So there's only so much time in the day, right? (laughs) There's literally like it just seems like there's always something pulling at us. There's always something um, we should be doing, we could be doing, we could be prioritizing our time towards. Um, and especially if we have multiple horses or multiple animals or just multiple dependents, you could even say. So like I have kids, horses, dogs, birds, and I'm sure in the near future we'll have other animals. But um Especially when you have a lot of dependence on you, there's a lot that's pulling your time. And um, when it comes to training, training horses, working with horses, especially when you're working with positive reinforcement and trying to shape behaviors and consent-based and all of that, um, it can take up a lot of time. As far as each individual horse, you could pour hours and hours of, of into training every week. Um, and still feel like you need to spend more time. There's always more to work on, that there's always more that the horse is not ready for, doesn't know yet, or whatever. We could just spend endless hours doing this, and it can feel overwhelming, and it can also feel um, like it can paralyze you in making progress or interacting with your horse and things like that. Um, Especially if you have multiple horses, this is even more challenging because... You know, I have 10 horses in with me that I either own or in training right now, and I only have so many hours in the day with my um, courses and online memberships, and and I have three kids and the dogs, and I'm training full-time, and it's just, you know, never-ending. So if we take that all into consideration, I could clock so many hours every day just working on horse stuff and my horse training. And while I basically do, I work a ton of hours. Each individual horse that I own doesn't necessarily, or that is in training, doesn't necessarily know to the full extent how to do everything 
like with consent or um, with start buttons or whatever terms you and words you want to use, they don't all know how to voluntarily take a dewormer, let's say. So, um, and if I spent every moment with every horse, especially the ones I have in training where I only have a certain amount of time that they're with me, I'm lucky or blessed if a tra- if an owner will um, leave their horse with me for six months. Okay. Well, there's only so much I can get done in six months. So when a horse comes into training or arrives at my place for training, we talk about what our goals are, where the horse is at realistically. Um, they go through an assessment period where I just kind of get to know them. I get to know where they're at, things like that. And sometimes I'll figure out that they know more than I thought they did, or I find out that they know a lot less than I thought they did, or that there are holes in the training and so on. But six months, three months, a year even is not enough time to train every single thing I want to train through um, a voluntary, you know, just from the ground stuff, just from the, the medical stuff, just from the handling stuff. I could spend a whole year just working on voluntarily taking dewormers, voluntarily doing injections, um, at Liberty hoof trimming and doing for long duration, you know, at Liberty leading exploration walks, learning how to explore their environment, learning how to socialize with other horses, um, safely and properly learning how to explore their environment, desensitizing them, exposing them or what I call exposure training to everything and anything I could spend. Um, and then we could talk about like, you know, what about eye care, voluntary eye care, like having the horse, you know, voluntarily allow you to medicate and treat their eye or their ears. Even we get ticks sometimes in our horse's ears. So, um, all of these things just take time. They take so much time and I could take a forever training all these, these horses to do all these things and never do anything else. Um, which I personally, I'm just going to say, I would love, I would love to do this. I love these things. I love, and I think they're so critical and so important. And I just, if you take the time to train any one of those or a combination of those or all of them over time, like amazing, like I just applaud you and I encourage you and I encourage every horse owner out there to do that. I think that there's not enough of that. I think we oftentimes force our horses to accept situations, force things to be done to them. Um, We just expect them to tolerate the farrier. We expect them to tolerate having their eyes treated when they're painful. We expect them to accept deworming in this paste that's injected into their mouth that tastes terrible and also is a very invasive procedure. We expect them just to understand that shots are for their well-being and they need to just stand there. Um, Not to mention things like hoof soaking, bandaging their legs, treating wounds, um, the ticks like I mean what horse in their right mind is going to allow you to mess with their painful ear to pull something out which is going to cause even more pain temporarily they don't know they can't logic through it so all of these things the more time we can spend training and preparing for them the better like amazing however um there is only so many hours in the day And there are priorities that are set forth. So if I have a horse that comes in training and let's say they have a serious um, biting issue or rearing issue, that's a good one. So this horse rears when it's startled, let's say, okay. 
So the horse doesn't know how to take a wormer, dewormer voluntarily. It doesn't know how to do voluntary ear treatment. It doesn't know how to do voluntary eye treatment. And it stands really relatively well for the farrier, but doesn't do it at liberty and it's in doesn't have start buttons and all of that. Um, but he does, you know, allow me to groom him all over. He does allow, you know, all these things that se- he seems relatively okay with. Um, but he's rearing after a certain trigger. So my focus while he's with me is going to be on repairing this rearing behavior because that is causing the most, um, damage to the relationship with the the owner and the horse. And as far as it's causing fear toward with the owner and it's possibly putting the horse in a very dangerous situation as far as his, you know, where he's going to live long term if he continues to rear and and hurt people. So um, I might choose to manage those other situations. And so let me explain management. Let me shift gears and explain management. So that previous one was training. All those behaviors that we talked about was training. Now we're going to talk about management. So management falls into the category of we arrange the environment, we arrange the antecedents, we change different things about the horse's day-to-day life, we change their diet, we change how their feet are being, you know, all these things that we can do to help our horses cope with their environment better or to be able to tolerate certain experiences in a more pleasant way. So management, um, a good example of that might be I have horses that are not, I'm not particularly saying me, but horses, there are a lot of horses that resource guard. Okay. So resource guarding is when they, they will, um, angry, they will attack or, um, be aggressive towards another horse that is getting close to their resource, which is typically food. So you'll have one horse that's really aggressive towards the other horses anytime they get close to the hay bale, let's say. Okay, so train, we can train that. We could train the horse to be more accepting and to tolerate the other horses and make that a positive association and all that. And absolutely, I think it's a fantastic protocol and should be something that should, that can be done and and should probably be done at some point. But management of the situation might mean that we provide, you know, let's say there are three horses in the pasture, we provide four round bales or four square bales, whatever. So we have four different locations where the other horses are free to go get different food that this more aggressive horse doesn't doesn't need to guard. Like this horse has his food, they don't need to go towards it. Um, other management might be providing enrichment toys, providing round-the-clock hay so that they don't feel the need to um, desperately grab at whatever hay is provided. Um, there's so many different options we could do where we can change the the arrangement, the environment, the setup so that the horse is less likely to perform these behaviors. And this may even cause a total repair of those aggressive behaviors. You may not even need to actually train the behaviors away because you're, um, the way you're arranging the environment, all that is naturally through natural consequences, natural and positive or negative consequences, but natural learning will repair the horse's need to feel or their their feeling the way they feel that they need to be aggressive and resource guard their food if they no longer feel that they need to resource guard because you've made it so that there's enough resources for everybody the aggressive behavior may just naturally disappear through natural learning process and there may not be need to be this um 
manually set up training program is basically what I'm trying to say. So management versus training, it's kind of a give and take. Like what do you choose to manage and what do you choose to train? And you can do both at the same time. This is often my protocol. So if I have a horse that's resource guarding, I will do both. I will start off by managing the environment, managing everything about it. And then I will go in and let's say, and I'll say to the owner or I'll do it myself where, um, I start trying to intentionally create positive associations with having other horses around and teaching the horse how I would like them to behave when the other horses are around through positive reinforcement. And, um, so I'm doing both the training and the managing. Another example of management might be, um, let's say again, the resource guarding and it's happening during feeding time. So it's not so much the hay, it's when the grain is put into the buckets. Okay. So we could manage the situation of them pushing each other off their buckets. We could train it. We could train them to station. We could train them to, you know, remain on their spot, all of that stuff. Um, or we could management and this is manage it. And this is what I've done with my own horses where I've created individual pens so that they go into their pens and they eat their food and the gate shuts behind them. And then when they're done eating, I let them out. And so there's no pushing each other off the food anymore. I could have trained it, but I chose to manage it because there are only so many hours in the day. And it was a and a very acceptable option, low stress for everybody, did exactly what I wanted it to. I wanted the, my problem that I was trying to solve was that my horses were pushing each other off the food. I didn't like that. I spend a lot on their supplements and they each need their own individual supplements. So I don't want them eating each other's. Plus some of the horses need more food than the others. And anyway, so it was just not working out. So I could have trained it, but that would have taken a lot of time and it wasn't necessarily necessary. It wasn't necessarily critical that I trained it. And also I'm not usually the one that's there feeding them. So it seemed like a better option to manage it. So as a professional trainer, as somebody who works with a lot of horses and as somebody who comes in and does consults for people who are having problems and problem behavior showing up in their horses, um, it's often trying to find that line. It's a, it's a skill set and it's a learning experience for me as throughout the years I've learned when it's time to manage something and when it's time to train it. And I often look at the situation. I look at what the handler is capable of at that time. I look at um, what's going to be easiest for everybody. So why put unnecessary work on people when they could be spending their time training their horse to be ridden and that would be more enjoyable for everybody and then versus training their horse to station at a target while it's feeding time. I mean, if the the human, the trainer, the owner, the caretaker really wants to work on the stationary targeting for feeding time, let's do it. I'm all for that. But if they would rather spend their time on riding behaviors or even teaching other stuff like driving or, or liberty, liberty leading or whatever, why not manage it? It's just not that big of a deal and it doesn't cause any harm to anybody and it fixes the problem. So um, other things, you know, going back to things like medical care. There are quite a few horses at my barn that do not know how to voluntarily take a deworming syringe and get the medication. And there are some, though, that do. So what I do, kind of my, I would love to, and actually over the summer I plan on having um, interns that come in, this is going to be their pet project, um, is to help me go through and teach all of the horses to accept 
a deworming syringe or tube voluntarily. So that's a project that I do plan to work on, but I had temporarily put it on the back burner because many of my horses, as long as I, I just put the halter on and I just kind of hold my hand over their bridge of their nose and they accept the dewormer. Obviously, they don't love it. They're not saying, here, please put this dewormer in my mouth. I know I'm going to get it. You know, like, this is going to be awesome. They're not. It's not voluntary. It's not done by choice. Um, but they don't appear to be having this explosive or fearful or aggressive or even a shutdown response. I haven't noticed much of that. Some of them a little bit more so than others. But again, this is something that I have on my books to start working on. Um, but for many of them, because they appear to accept it with relatively little emotional issues, few emotional issues, from what I can tell, I can't, I'm not trying to put words into their mouth, so to speak. Um, I chose to just find the least stressful way to do it without retraining it completely and kind of manage it, so to speak. Sometimes that means putting it in their food and mixing it up. Some of my horses will eat it that way. Um... And I'm just doing it like that for now until I can retrain it. However, there are certain horses that have a strong, fearful reaction to deworming paste in their mouth and, and having the syringe put in their mouth. They are very clearly upset by the process. So I have chosen that management is not going to, one, be possible, and two, it's not... Um, it's just it's just not the best route. It's not going to happen because it will end up being a battle and it's going to be then a negative experience and a trauma and all that. So training is prioritized. Training is the thing that needs to happen. Management is not possible at that point. Um, another example might be where... So I, you know, I might have a young horse come in for training and their owners want me to start the horse under saddle. Fantastic. Great. I would love to do that. And my thought is that, um, you know, maybe at the time, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know much about the horse. I just knew he had had some basic handling. Okay, great. So sometimes these horses that come in, not having basic handling means that some of their training is done traditionally or a little bit different than the way I would do it. Or maybe they don't know how to necessarily Liberty lead, or they don't know how to do reverse round pins and Liberty trot circles and, and all these fun tricks and stuff like that. They may not know all those things, but they, um, are really confident with their humans. They respond really well. They understand the clicker. They understand shaping. They they understand choice. Like all these things, they understand start buttons. All these things. Um, they just may not have certain behaviors in their repertoire that I usually train horses to have. And if I only have a limited amount of time, I'm if I can get away with not get away with that's the wrong word. But if I don't necessarily need those behaviors to proceed along with my client's goals then I might choose to um, manage, or I might try, yeah, I'll manage the training, manage the environment to not need those behaviors. Because a lot of my program, a lot of the way I interact with my horses is based off of them all having a basic understanding of my foundation or my core behaviors. So there are core behaviors that I teach all my horses and I need them to know so that I can proceed forward with the rest of their training because I use these behaviors to teach every other behavior. They're that core layer. They're the layer that we build upon. They are the beginning of the, like the, if you think of like a family tree kind of situation, um, I, there's a technical word for it, but you know, where you start off and you just start spreading. Right. So, um, 
those core behaviors I usually teach first and then I build on those up until we get up into the riding and all that. But I might have a horse that let's say out of my five core behaviors, they only, you know, they have four of them. So I'm like, okay, so they don't have the fifth one, which I kind of wish they had a, um, let's say a stationary target. Let's say they have a stationary target behavior and let's say they don't, or let's say they don't have it. And I'm like, okay, well, do I really need that to train the riding behaviors no, I don't because they have a nice stand state. They have a nice, you know, all these other things. So I can avoid, I can manage my training to not need that and proceed forward with the goals and then recommend to those clients later that they go back and train it. Or I can ask them if they want me to train it either way. Um, another example, similar situation where I have a young horse that comes in and I have the intention of starting them under saddle, things like that. And, um, I realize that they are, uh, let's say they're afraid of men. Okay. So they're afraid of men, but they do great with women and they do great. Otherwise they have no problems. They are proceeding along. They have all their core behaviors. Everything is great. I might choose if I have a limited amount of time to manage the situation so they don't have to interact with men a lot until I can get to a point where I can teach the owners how to do it on their own time so they don't, you know, whatever, or um, that it's necessary for me to train it. Maybe I have a, you know, a man that's going to feed them in the morning, then that's going to be something I'm going to have to train and, and prepare the horse for, although that would naturally kind of help with that situation because if they got fed and it was a positive experience that would create an association, a positive one. Um, but I would probably go to the client and ask them, you know, like, look, I know we wanted to focus on riding behaviors and all that, but I feel like this is something that's extremely important for this horse, for their lifelong well-being, because they're going to come in contact with men, vets, farriers, uh, just your friends, whatever. And so they might choose to, you know, say, okay, let's, let's sidetrack and go work on that or do it simultaneously. But I could technically manage that situation. I don't know if it's the wisest thing to do to manage that, but you could manage manage it and wait to train it for a different day. Um, there are certain behaviors that I really don't, you can't really manage. Um, and I feel like have to be prioritized right away, which is things the any type of necessary medical behavior. So injections, things like that, I feel like don't, you can't really manage that. That needs to be trained right away, prioritized because they may have to get, I mean, at least, least case scenario or, or worst case scenario, they need to be able to at least have a shot to or a sedation so that you can do the rest of the medical treatment. Um, but if they can't even have an injection to be sedated. Then you're going to be in a really bad situation if the horse gets injured. Um, the other one are things like, oh, hoof care, that's something that needs to be trained right away. can't really be managed. Although you could find a way to make the situation less stressful, uh, even if the training isn't to your perfection yet, isn't even to your standards yet, your idealist, you know, kind of image, you could like, let's say you're 50% there, you could choose to do it in a way where maybe, um, you just feed the horse constantly through the farrier appointment, or you give them a light oral sedation or whatever it's for their well being so that they could get their hooves trimmed because they're painful, they're too long, whatever it is. Um, you could, that could be a combination of like managing the situation for the horse's well-being and training it. You've been doing your training, you're trying, you're working on it. And that's often, that really happens a lot for me um, because 
you know, in those situations, I may not have had enough time to prep the horse fully for farrier care, but they really need it. So I will do as much training as possible as I can beforehand and then manage it on the day of. And, um, yeah, so there's all kinds of situations. There's all kinds of, oh, the other one I was going to say that I really prioritize and you can't really manage is trailer loading. You have, your horse has to trailer load, um, because once they decide they're not going in and if you have a medical emergency or a fire or flood or whatever, it's going to be a really dangerous situation and you can't really manage that situation. But you can, like, just like with the farrier thing, you can train and train and train and then push comes to shove. You can try and make it as low stress as possible and make it happen. Um, things like putting your trailer, if you have a drop-off trailer versus a ramp or even with a ramp, you can make the trailer level with the ground so it's an easier time walking in. You can use a stock trailer versus a closed-in horse trailer. I find that horses much they would much rather walk into a stock trailer because it's more open and airy, not this, like, dark hole. Um, you can try and stabilize the trailer. That's another thing. I've had horses that are really worried about how much it shakes as they're getting in and out. So you can try and put blocks around the trailer to stabilize it. Also attach it to your truck, but do all of that so it's stabilized. Um, you can have a buddy in the trailer. There's all these things you can do to help set the horse up for success and manage the environment, manage the expectations, manage the... Um, any just manage everything so that your training can be as successful as possible. But for a lot of these, you are going to have to do training. But I think it's okay, and I kind of want to wrap back up into this, where it's okay to put things on the back burner. If your horse is not having a total meltdown over having an injection, but maybe they're a little bit nervous about it, um, maybe you could set it up so it's less, you know, a little bit less stressful for them. You block their eyesight a little bit. You give them lots of food and the, the vet is super nice and giving them food and you kind of gently sneak it in there and all of that. It's okay if, 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 if it's manageable and it's not causing a severe trauma, it's okay to back burner that for a little while while you work on something else that is more critical. I'm probably never going to, there, I, I can't really think of a situation where I'm going to say riding is the critical behavior you should be training um, because riding is a pleasure thing for us. It does increase the horse's value if they can be ridden, all these things. But, you know, you guys, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably kind of know how I feel about um um buying and selling horses and and in using them for riding and then in just in for that being their only purpose. I am 100% on if you want to ride, like I, I love riding. I love riding. I'm training. I train all my horses if they can, if they physically can and they want to, and they're participating and they enjoy it. Let's ride. Um, but it's still a pleasure thing. It's still a, something I'm doing for myself. If it's exercise, if you're saying it's because of exercise, I have a podcast episode about, um, I, uh, I have an episode about weight management and positive reinforcement, or I can't remember what it's called, but it's a couple episodes back and it's about exercising and a lot, there's a lot of ideas on there that are not writing related, but anyway, tangent. My point was to say that please don't prioritize writing behaviors over, helping your horse feel less scared of getting shots, let's say, for example, because that is something that is causing them current, you know, whenever they go to get shots and stuff, current emotional stress and is 
a problem for them and it's something as an ethically minded caregiver as somebody who has their horse's best interest in mind and well-being that's something that um should be prioritized because there will be a day that you're not there to give them an injection and they're you know the vet and the vet tech and who knows how they're trained i've had unfortunately way too many instances where um, there's very little consideration put in for the horse's emotional, mental well-being throughout the procedure, you know, and it's just thrown aside for the sake of expediency. Um, so who knows, that situation might show up. Your barn owner may have to take your horse in for colic surgery in the middle of the night, God forbid. But you know what I mean? Like, you may not be there that one time to manage the situation. So if it is a fear issue or if it is a rage issue or a panic issue or whatever other, you know, serious emotional issue where your horse is really having a hard time but you can kind of work your way through getting it done, please prioritize training that. But it's okay for certain things to be put on the back burner if your horse is really just fine with having a dewormer, but it's not done through this start button consent-based process. It's okay for that one thing to sit on the back burner for a little while until you get, you know, other things focused on and figured out. Um, or even, I mean, yeah, it's, so it's just, it's all about reading your horse, knowing your horse, prioritizing the really important things that will be make significant impacts in your life and your horse's life and help you and your horse have a better relationship and also help your horse have a better relationship with the people around them because then they will be treated better. This is unfortunate, but they will be treated better if they are quote unquote better behaved or respond better to the people around them. They are more likely to experience rough handling and being treated poorly if they distrust or are easily upset by or fearful of or angry towards the be the people around them. So as soon as they show a significant emotional response that's negative towards somebody around them, they are more likely to be treated harshly. So the best thing we can do for our horses to prepare them for life, to prepare them to be treated with kindness and with um, compassion is to train them, is to train them on how to interact with the people around them. Because even if you have somebody that comes in and needs to lead your horse out to the pasture or give them a shot that is trained in and trains horses way differently than you do, if your horse sees the halter, puts their head in the halter, walks out, stands quietly for the vet, gets the shot, goes back into the stall, I mean... They're never going to experience that type of training that that other person does that you don't necessarily agree with. If your horse, however, has issues with having shots and is scared of the vet, guess what's going to happen to your horse when you're not there if they start acting up? So training is very important, but there are situations it is okay for management to become the protocol for right now. And there are many, many behaviors that management alone repairs. And there are many situations where um, management is the solution when it comes to behaviors that are a result or a side effect of poor diets or lack of enrichment or lack of forage or lack of space or lack of turnout, you know, um, or lack of hoof care, you know, all these things. Fixing those things, managing those properly with a, you know, with a a species appropriate approach will resolve the symptom that we are seeing, whether that's food aggression, resource guarding, um, being 
aggressive towards herd companions, pacing stalls, um, you know, all these different things we could think of. There is a lot and a lot and a lot that I help people work with or through with just helping them manage the horse's life on a day-to-day basis. So anyway, I hope this episode was helpful and it kind of explained the difference between management versus training and where I kind of draw that line and, um, and explain the importance for some behaviors to be focused in the training realm, um, but where management can also help and then where a lot of things can be repaired with management alone and it's not necessarily a training issue. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more, head to my website, thewillingequine.com. On there, I have a really extensive blog. I'm a very prolific writer. And I also have a an FAQ page. And the FAQ has all kinds of things. It has questions and answers about training and about my training specifically, as well as just general about working with positive reinforcement. There's also sections on there about health and um, behavior. So all of that. I'm also on a lot of different social media platforms, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. So check those out. And I'd love to hear from you. So don't hesitate to email or send me a message.